Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be talking about Kabbalah, both what it is and how it's connected to the Akashics. I've had several conversations with people where they ask me about my Kabbalah class, and I start talking with them and then realize we're having a comedy sketch instead of a conversation. The same thing happens with emails back and forth. Like with the Akashics, people use the same words but mean completely different things and hilarity ensues. So once again, I'm reminded of a quote from The Princess Bride, which is not just a cult classic, but a wonderful container of wisdom. The quote is, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Therefore, while I would like to talk a bit about my class on Kabbalah's Tree of Life, what it has to do with the Akashics and why I wrote it in the first place, I really feel like it would probably be best to start by defining some of the terms I use and getting some of the confusion out of the way, or at least heading in that direction. Not that I mind a good comedy skit once in a while, but I prefer to watch them rather than be caught up in them. So let's start with some vocabulary and definitions. Tree of Life Here we have an unfortunate example of English being both lazy and tending to be rather unspecific. Several non-English speaking cultures have a concept for a tree of life, but they tend to mean significantly different things by these terms, and each is connected to metaphysical concepts which are not equivalent to the others. However, when translated to English, they've all been labeled as tree of life. And so people get confused constantly, assuming you mean this one when you're actually referring to this one over here. Also, for some reason, everyone tends to think theirs is the only one, even though a quick Google search will show a brief overview of several. There's the World Tree of Norse mythology, the Bodhi Tree under which Buddha found enlightenment, the Eternal Banyan Tree and the Eternal Aswatha Tree, both of which are Hindu versions, let alone the biblical tree of life, which is what I teach about. When I refer to the tree of life, I'm speaking of the symbol as it's referred to in Kabbalah. On one level, it's connected with the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In particular, it's connected with the tree of good and evil. Some people refer to it as a separate tree, while there are others in Kabbalah who propose it's the same tree, just perceived in a different manner. On another level, the tree of life I'm referring to is an energetic system by which the universe was and is constantly being created. It's a map which explains how Akashic energy is transmuted into physical forms and how it is converted back again, thereby transporting experience into the Akasha. Taking this even more intimately... The tree of life is an energetic system in each human body used by us for manifesting and integrating what we are experiencing. As above, so below, from the macro to the micro, we're made in the image of the creator, God, 
goddess, or even flying spaghetti monster. Another term that needs clarification is Kabbalah. This one is a little less broad, but still confusing for many, mainly because of the usage. There are three main categories this usage issue can fall into. Those who connect Kabbalah with culture and religion, those who see it as a universal tool, and those who try to split the baby, as it were, and we know how messy that ends up being. Let's start with the obvious. Kabbalah is Judaism. It's the mystical form of Judaism, to be sure, but Judaism nonetheless. You don't have to be Jewish yourself to be interested or find it useful any more than you need to be Buddhist to be interested in the Eightfold Path, or Hindu in order to get the benefits of yoga. You might, however, be somewhat surprised at how much Hebrew and Yahweh are involved and where all these biblical quotes are coming from if you're not aware Kabbalah comes out of biblical studies. Kabbalah is not equivalent to the Tree of Life. In fact, the Tree of Life, as described in Kabbalah, is just one small aspect of its teachings, and only one way to describe creation and manifestation. Kabbalah itself is religion and spirituality and a way to be in the world and a path towards enlightenment, and the Tree of Life is just one part of that, just as communion is a part of Christianity and full moon ceremony is part of, but not the entirety, of Wicca. Okay, with that said, most people, those who are not Jewish, and many who are, become acquainted with Kabbalah in other ways than through Jewish teachings. Most come across it through people who are talking about it from the other perspective, its universal energy schema, which isn't connected with Judaism at all, really. The general term for this is practical Kabbalah, spelled with a Q. And here's where things get even more confusing, so stay with me. People who speak of Kabbalah as a universal schema usually aren't referring to Kabbalah at all. They mean the tree of life seen and experienced as a spiritual tool. Most descriptions of this universal schema are more mechanical and list-oriented than organic and spiritual. They break the tree of life down into usable components and suggest meaningful uses for them. Often, discussions from this perspective are more focused on secret societies, words of power, and rituals which grant the person access to hidden dimensions. While denying any connection to Judaism, other than acknowledging this is the historical origins of the information, the biblical figures of angels, demons, and patriarchs are retained, as are the Hebrew words. So then, there's the third category, who try to have it both ways. Referring to the tree of life when they say Kabbalah, using the schema of the tree as a new age means of living a good life, and then adding in Judaism or Judaism light to add authority and authenticity to what they're teaching because all of this isn't confusing enough. So, to recap, Kabbalah, most often spelled with a K, is the mystical version of Judaism. The Tree of Life is one part of Kabbalah. Most people only learn about the Tree of Life portion, with a smattering of mispronounced Hebrew words sprinkled on top, 
and most of the information is lists of attributes, names, angels, demons, and ways in which to work the various stages in order to achieve things. Insert desired goal here. Just to round out this vocabulary discussion, let's add in two more words which get bandied about, and yet sound exactly the same. Kabbalah spelled with a Q, and Kabbalah spelled with a C. These aren't separate things exactly. Then again, they kind of are. It's an issue with translation, to be honest. Hebrew doesn't use the Roman alphabet, and there's not a one-to-one relationship between the two written systems. And Hebrew doesn't write down vowels, just the consonants, so there's that too. Which leads to a bunch of different ways that you can spell a Hebrew word in English, and they're all correct. Yay! So what's the big deal? I mean, if you can spell it any way you want, no problem. Except the word for Jewish mysticism has kind of fallen into three different spelling groups, which have come to, in general, point towards the perspective or camp the person is using them in. I say in general, because these aren't set in stone, so no conclusion jumping, but they do kind of define these three categories we've been talking about. So Kabbalah, spelled with a K, K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H, is used by those referring to the mysticism of Judaism. Kabbalah spelled with a Q, Q-A-B-B-A-L-A-H, are those practicing practical Kabbalah and referring to the Tree of Life specifically as a universal spiritual energy schema. And then there's Kabbalah with a C, C-A-B-B-A-L-A-H. Those who are speaking usually about the Tree of Life but all of it from a Christian perspective. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We could get into the pre-Sohar or post-Sohar Kabbalists or dive into which background in Q Kabbalah you're speaking from, whether it's Dion Fortune, Aleister Crowley, or Israel Regardie, or whether you've been piecing it all together from the Edgar Casey Christian perspective. Personally, I'd rather not, if it's all the same to you. I'm a bit worn out, and all of these terms have started to spin around my head like some kind of spiritual mobile, which I can't stop watching. So why work with Kabbalah at all? Well, quick story. I was doing further research on the Akashics, and I stumbled across a question. Or actually, I stumbled across a blank spot. A place where I didn't realize there should be an answer or an understanding, and I didn't have one. Like a puzzle where you have the border and you have major sections filled in, but there's that spot over there that you just have no idea how it's going to work, even though you have the top of the box as a guide. It's a blank spot. With the Akashics, I had over 20 years experience working in it, working with other beings, reading my own soul book, reading for others, so I felt comfortable knowing what I knew, and continuing to explore what I didn't, which is a lot. That's part of the fun. Now, with the physical aspects, I was clear on how it works passively. I hate to say it, but George Lucas is pretty close to right with that whole force thing. Akashic energy is what makes matter, and therefore what connects us and binds us. It's the physical, it's the energetic, and it's beyond all of that, because embodiment is the tiniest portion of all that is. Plus, 
I was and am following the science of the theory of everything, or TOE, which in all its infancy is actually finding the point of conception for physicality. The zero-point field is showing scientists what and where Akasha converts into physical matter, while catching up to theoretical physicists who are on the cusp of knowing that Akashics exist. This means all of them are catching up to what most indigenous cultures and a fair number of religions have known for millennia. Yay! So there's all of that. But then there's this blank spot. And the blank spot, I realized, is not in the passive reception and automatic use of Akasha, but in the active use of it. I mean... I knew in detail that we did it, and in great detail how we were doing it in specific instances, but not the underlying interactive way in which we had to be using it. For example, I knew prana or chi flows through the body, top to bottom, bottom to top, constantly, and it circulates throughout the body. A healthy flow with unobstructed channels is what gives us the fire to get through our day. Obstructions or blocks are usually life lessons we're working through. Balancing that flow in all its intricacies is in part what acupuncture is about, and classically trained Chinese medicine practitioners can read your qi like a book. They therefore tend to know a great deal more about you than you would like, because it's all there in your life force. Your body does have more to say than just ouch, if you're willing to listen. Chakras are the various sections of the prana and how they interact, like locks on a river. In harmony, they help things flow freely and safely. But if out of sync, things get plugged, overflow, or go dry. All of that made sense to me, as well as the various layers of energy fields the chakras can emanate, how the various smaller chakras work, etc. All of these are things I see with each client and delve into as necessary. Reiki and other energy work is the Akashic energy brought consciously through the practitioner's body, filtered through the self to convert it into what the client needs, and then expressed. The return flow from the client informs the practitioner in the particulars of the issue and what they should do. But there are things I find in the energetic system of people, things that are active and that I work with, which aren't described by these various aspects of Akashic embodied energy, hence the empty spot. Once I knew the spot was there, the blank space in the puzzle, it was like when you lose a tooth and you can't not put your tongue in the hole. I couldn't stop fussing until I understood what should be in that space, which, because I'm a writer, meant instead of sitting with my computer or my notebook and writing, I was laying on the couch appearing to do absolutely nothing. And while staring at the ceiling, allowing my consciousness to start moving all the loose pieces around and connect with the Akashics and my higher self, I got the aha. I'm sure what it looked like was all of a sudden I went from dreamy to startled like you see in the movies. What I realized is the Kabbalah's tree of life is what I've been seeing and working with in my clients. Remembering that each of us is made in the image of God, using biblical terminology, since the spiritual form comes from Judaism, it began to make sense that the tree of life, the diagram of how God created and is creating the universe and embodied life, is replicated in us. 
were like a fractal, where the small piece is an exact replica of the bigger pattern and vice versa. We are constantly rolling energy down the tree like pachinko balls, and having the wisdom, experiences, changes, and becoming which occurs here fountain back up through the tree branches. Just like with Reiki, where we're expressing what is coming down and through us while at the same time we're receiving information, knowledge, wisdom, and direction from the client, or their guides, we're constantly manifesting via Akashic energy and breathing back in our becoming. So I'm happy having mapped where we are and where we're headed. There's so much to explore with Kabbalah's Tree of Life, how we use it every day for manifesting, for navigating through the world and our own becoming. I'll let others handle all the rest. And now that I have mapped the system to how we work with Akasha in our bodies, I'm able to teach it to others through my class at akashicreading.com. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be running through a brief primer on past lives including how many we have and what they can tell us. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to rate it five stars on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.